May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I will start with a word of comfort and a word of truth that came out of the mouths of babes. One of our children at Christ Church, when she found out that her school would be delayed opening even longer than she expected, said to her mom, The world is closing down, but that's okay. God's arms are always open. And her mom said to me, I love it when my kids preach the gospel to me. We are in a particular moment, aren't we, now, when we all need somebody to preach the gospel to us, including me, which, ironically enough, will be me preaching to me when I tune in for this worship service with my family on Sunday. It's true, as Dave said in his sermon last week, that we are in uncharted territory. However, it is important to remember that this is not uncharted territory for God. And while our generation has not uh, gone through something like this, it can be helpful uh, to remember the words from Ecclesiastes. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. C.S. Lewis named this, in fact, in an address to college students during World War II. He said this, The war creates no absolutely new situation. It simply aggregates, aggravates the permanent human situation so that we can no longer ignore it. Human life has always been lived on the edge of a precipice, Human culture has always had to exist under the shadow of something infinitely more important than itself. We are mistaken when we compare war with normal life. Life has never been normal. In a letter to a friend uh, that was uh, penned exactly 100 years ago, uh, 1920, uh, during the Spanish flu pandemic, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, writing from Paris, uh, wrote this letter. He said, The streets are empty. It seems as though the bulk of the city has retreated to their quarters, rightfully so. At this time, it is very poignant to avoid all public spaces. Even the bars, as I told Hemingway, but to that, he punched me in the stomach to which I asked if he'd washed his hands. He hadn't. He is much a denier of that one. Why he considers the virus to be just influenza. I'm curious of his sources. We're all thinking about sources now. And then this is, if we had a laugh track queued up uh, for this empty church, it would be after this line. The, uh, Fisher says, the officials have alerted us to ensure we have a month's worth of necessities. Zelda and I have stocked up on red wine, whiskey, rum, vermouth, absinthe, white wine, sherry, gin, and Lord, if we need it, brandy. Please pray for us. Four snippets, uh, four takeaways from this snippet. One, of course Hemingway didn't wash his hands. He would have thought that was for weak people. Two, I feel a little comforted that 
Fitzgerald's list of necessities is longer than my own. I mean, who needs absinthe? Three, getting more serious. We've been here before. We've been here before. How apt is Fitzgerald's description of the streets of Paris empty? And how right he is that it's so poignant at this time not to be able to be with people. And then four, we too are in need of prayer. We're all in need of prayer. And thankfully, God answers prayer. And God's arms are always open. We see this in the gospel reading that Amanda just read, the fourth Sunday of Lent uh, reading. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. He spat on the ground, made mud with the saliva, spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. God's arms are always open. That's such a good insight from that child, isn't it? Because thinking about God's arms for a second, what do arms do? Arms touch. Arms hug. Arms gather in. Arms stretch out. Arms embrace. And as the children's song reminds us that we sing in our preschool chapel, He's got the whole world in his hands, which means he's holding the world. He's cupping the world. He's cradling the world. He's securing the world. That takes on a whole new meaning now, doesn't it? There's one meme going around uh, now of an update of uh, Michelangelo's masterpiece on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And it's the famous, most famous perhaps, painting in the world of the creation of Adam in which God famously reaches out his hand to touch Adam's hand and their hands are almost, their fingers are almost connected. But in the updated version, God is holding a bottle of hand sanitizer uh, in his hand for them to use before they touch In a video message uh, earlier this week on Mockingbird, Dave Zoll reminded us that Jesus doesn't do social distancing. Right now, we do, and we must. Uh, In fact, that is the way to love our neighbor. And that Jesus didn't do social distancing is not licensed for us to do the same, as if we need another reminder, we are not Jesus. But we do, too, need a reminder that Jesus doesn't distance himself from people. And we need a reminder that the current realities are nothing new to him. Think about it. Disease has been around since Adam's and Eve's expulsion from the Garden of Eden. It was a diseased world into which Jesus came. Disease, however, did not stop him from coming, and disease does not Stop him from coming. Lepers, he hugged. When Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever, Jesus laid hands on her and healed her. He touched the face and ears of a deaf man and restored his hearing. 
And in the case of our reading today, this man born blind, he not only violated all the social distancing rules, but he violated all the sort of common sense personal space barriers we have in place during so-called normal life. He spit. He made some mud. He rubbed the mud all over the man's eyes. And lo and behold, it turned out to be healing salve. The man was once blind, but now... He could see. In sum, to the ritually as well as the physically unclean, Jesus came, traversing the distance between himself and those in need. Now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus' Spirit alive in the world today, Jesus still comes to those of us who are in need. Those who cry, please pray for us. There's an interesting article in The Atlantic uh, this week about Francis Collins, who is the director of the National Institute of Health. Obviously, he is in much demand right now. Collins, by the way, graduated from UVA. He grew up on a farm in rural Virginia. Um, And he was asked about his own source of strength during this time of need. And he said uh, that his only religious instruction growing up was uh, being sent to a local Episcopal church choir to learn the music. He said, uh, I was, quote, instructed by my dad to ignore the rest, which I did. But as a med student in his late 20s, sitting by the bedsides of hurting people, dying people, well, he realized he needed something, someone much greater than himself to make sense of the world and to personally get through each day. So after reading Mere Christianity, which, by the way, came out of C.S. Lewis's wartime lectures, which I just quoted, Collins became a Christian. Now he's in his 60s and asked about his faith, he said, I think I've arrived at a place where my faith has become a reality really strong support for dealing with life's struggles. Took me a while, I think, that sense that God is sufficient, that I don't have to be strong in every circumstance. He continued, One of the great puzzles when I first became a Christian was that verse, My grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in weakness. That was so completely upside down for me. Weakness? And now, I embrace that with the fullness of everything around me when I'm realizing that my strength is inadequate, whether it's the coronavirus or some family crisis, God's strength is always sufficient. That is such a great comfort. When Jesus touched the sick and healed them, There was a cost, not to us, but to him. For in each healing, he began to take the sickness and the disease of the world into himself. Each episode of healing, of him traversing that distance to come to the needy, each episode is a harbinger, is a kind of microcosm, of what was to come on the hill of Calvary. 
God's arms are always open. We can say that with supreme confidence for one reason. Because he opened his arms to the world on the cross. As we'll pray in just a few minutes, Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. Everyone means everyone. Everyone means you. God's strength is always sufficient, friends, and God's arms are always open. Amen.